Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Today we're talking with Dr. Pascal Allard, and she is a tenured associate professor and the director of graduate studies in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at the University of Louisville. So Pascal, recently you gave a an HSC Educator Grand Rounds at the University of Louisville, and you talked about um, study strategies that are not effective and what we can do to have our learners use more effective study strategies. I, I think the f- good place to start would be, what types of learners do you work with? So I worked with a graduate student, a medical student, and dental student. What types of ineffective strategies do you see them using? So rereading, obviously, is a big one. Uh, and I see that a lot with uh, graduate students. But for example, when I, I do a little survey at the beginning of the dental course, and 60% of the first year dental students still use rereading as the f- number one strategy. It, well, I think rereading, feel it feels like it's effective. It's and, easy. Yes. That's the issue. It is so easy to do. So what do you, so you said you give a survey at the beginning of the session. How do, you, how do you talk to them about some of these ineffective strategies? Well, I, I tell them that rereading is not an effective strategy because they don't retrieve, and so therefore they are not going to remember what they have read. And like you were saying, it's easy, and they feel familiar with the content, but they don't master the content when they just reread. So now I, I will tell them, you know, if you are going to annotate or make flashcard, then that would be an active way of rereading. Uh, but just rereading by itself isn't going to be enough. Are students generally receptive to that information? I don't know about the dental student because I don't ask them, you know, question about are you convinced that rereading is not uh, a good thing to do. The graduate student, I do ask them those questions because I do that book club. Uh, mm-hmm about the learning strategy. And so 90% of them usually are convinced that rereading is not an effective way of learning. And I think they try to incorporate some of those flashcards and taking notes and rephrasing what what they read. I will say, I don't know, a few years ago, before the pandemic, when I was talking with dental students about how rereading was not an effective strategy. I did have a handful of dental students, D1s, they wanted the evidence, they wanted they wanted the research. So I just, well, I just kept, oh my gosh, I sent them way, 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 way too many articles. I showed yeah, them, don't you know, that figure yeah. of the Carpiki uh, article. I don't know, they just don't believe it, right? So you mentioned the book club with your graduate students. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I asked them, so during orientation in August, they have three weeks where they are not taking courses. And so I asked them to read a few chapters, and every week we go over those chapters and we just discuss together. And I think it's better because they read it. 
therefore they, they are going to digest the information and they can discuss it together. And I think the good thing about that is that I ask a senior graduate student to come. And so those students are going to share their struggle with them and they are going to tell them what they did uh, to do better. And so I think it's very, it's much more efficient than me being by myself and telling them what to do and not to do. I think that having, having peers talk about study strategies that work tends to be more effective than instructors because the, the trust is there because it's someone who has recently been in your position. Because if I think back to, you know, when, when I was an undergrad and if I would try to tell students, well, this is how I studied, it's, compl it's a completely different world than, than when I was there. So I think having a near peer be able to say, I know this feels like, this feels easier. Rereading -re feels good because Pascal, like you said, it's you're familiar with that content. Having a student say, try this, it's gonna feel harder, but it's effective, that message can just flow a little bit better. They're more likely to believe a peer than they would me or you, no matter how much evidence we provide them. But I think an, part of the issue is they're afraid to change their technique, right? Because if you think about it, this is what got them to where they are right now. Our dental students, our medical students, why would they change? Oh my gosh, you know, I don't, they want, they're afraid to fail. And so they think by stopping the rereading and trying something else. Well, well they have used rereading to get to where they are. Right. They have, there's no doubt about that. And what's different as they enter medical school, dental school, nursing school is the volume of information and the pace at which it arrives five to 10 times faster than it does in college. And so the same bad habits, study habits, that might have worked when you had plenty of time won't work when it moves at the pace of a summer class where it's a chapter a day in each of your classes and at the end of a week you have a test. Right? If you've ever taken summer organic chemistry too, like I did one summer, it moves at lightning speed at a volume close to what medical school looked like. And so I think ineffective study strategies, given enough time, maybe does something, but you can't afford the time to reread all of that. And maybe that's the biggest downfall as they enter these, these intensive uh, learning periods is they try to use what they've used before, but it's just... They don't have time to reread 200 pages a night, different from the 200 pages tomorrow night and the 200 pages the night after that. They just can't keep up. So Pascal, I was gonna ask, how did you start? Like, when did all this occur? Like you're reading uh, your book club and you know talking with the learners. I mean, this is recent in your tenure here at university, right? Yes, so that was following taking the CHPE, ah. and that's when I realized that, uh, first of all, faculty that teach usually don't have the training to teach, mm -hmm. and we need to teach our graduate students how to teach, but we also need to uh, teach them how to learn properly. Uh, and so I read, the, we had a book club with teach your students how to learn, mm -hmm. uh, and and then I discovered the book for the student, and I thought, oh, that's a smaller book. Maybe we can do that uh, during orientation because we have time. So when we've talked to students or any learners about Make It Stick, 
one of the consistent responses we get is, how come I didn't hear about this before? <laughs> Do you get that kind of response from your students? Well, some of them uh, knew. I mean, they were using some of those uh, effective learning strategy, uh, and some of them were not. Uh, and so obviously, <laughs> and uh, but no, no, they did not. They did not uh, comment on not being aware or being aware. Uh, like half of the class, I think, maybe less than half of the class was already using some effective learning strategy. Not necessarily all of them. But, right, uh, right. I'm curious to find out, since you delivered your HSC Educator Grand Rounds on this topic, have other faculty come to you to say, can you help me think through how I approach our students in our department to make yes. them learn better? Yes. So, for example, I had uh, an opportunity, uh, Dr. Lacris ah, kid, yes. kid contacted me because she wanted to... Uh, just after, like a week after uh, that presentation, and she said she had an opportunity to submit a grant for uh, underrepresented students in STEM, and she wanted me to uh, do a similar book club for the students. And I said, of course, sure. Oh, yeah. I, I can be a co-I on, on the grant and do that and mentor the student. So, Pascal, you talked about completing the HPE certificate, so the Health Professions Education Certificate. Um, and you also have completed Liam, which is uh, at, at the time. At the time. You, yeah. At the time was, uh, oh my gosh, leadership, leadership and, and innovation and academic medicine, but it is now leadership and innovation and academics matter. So, um, have you used lessons from these programs in your teaching? As I was taking those two, you were doing it at the same time. At the same time, <laughs> I realized that there was a lot of common topics that we were talking about, uh, and I would just, you know, list a few like mindset, you know, goal mindset, great resilience, setting goal, you know, communication skill, providing feedback to the student. So all of those, I think, are really very similar. If you are a teacher, right. or if you are a leader, uh, and actually. As a teacher, I want to lead my student. Absolutely. You know, to become self-directed learner and lifelong learner. So uh, there is no difference there. So I remember not too long ago, you talked, did you have a group of students, you had them read Mindset in one of your courses? Was that like several years ago? So, the, the, so I, do, uh, I did develop a teaching course uh -huh. and they do, um, watch a video from Carol Dweck. Okay. And then they, they have a discussion about the mindset as well as, you know, watching a video also about Angela. Uh, Duckworth, About yes. the great. Are these the graduate students? That Those are the graduate students. So are these topics something that your graduate students have been familiar with before or is it something that's new to them? No, so when I... I surveyed them before the book club, only one out of 10 knew about uh, grow mindset. So they do not know about the grow mindset and the fixed mindset and yeah. how to acquire them mm -hmm. or change them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. let's work on changing them. Wow. Another thing uh, that I see that was very common between the leadership course and the CHP was uh, engaging the employee or engaging the student in the course. Like, for example, you know, for a student, you know, the value 
of the course is going to be important, knowing that they are safe, it's a safe environment, that would be the same for an employee. And uh, also making sure that they have the tool to succeed. So yeah. that, that was something that I thought was very uh, common to both. I'm glad you're, you're seeing the connectivity between those two very different courses, but the common denominator here is there about people. And so that's why people as learners, people as employees, the same kind of leadership behaviors, teacher behaviors are likely to result in that environment of safety and trust and, and a, a learning environment where you can grow and that's expected and the feedback is formative for them. And so it's not surprising, but I'm glad you pointed it out because I'd not thought of it that way before. I love. I hadn't either, and it's really neat to hear your perspective because you were doing both of those at the same time, and 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 just the overlap and how you were able to differentiate or not differentiate. Like you know, having a growth mindset for a learner is just important as me having a growth mindset when I'm working with my staff or anyone else. So it's the applicability, I guess, is really what um, we're talking about. And providing good feedback also, because you mentioned that. Uh, so now I have been trying to incorporate that into the teaching, making sure that students get regular feedback, which can be difficult because I'm not the only teacher in the course that I direct. And so it's difficult to always uh, to make sure that the other instructor uh, do that as well. How, when you're working with a team of other faculty in a co-teaching or a shared course like this, which is different than a lot of yeah. um, you know undergraduate institutions where your course is yours, that that actually is one of the biggest differences that um, that I've seen compared to you know Stacy and I teach through the College Bed and our course is ours. We have to submit our syllabus, but we have complete control over the Everything. curriculum, anything, anything. <laughs> um, and then teaching in the School of Medicine, it is under a magnifying glass, you submit it to a committee to look at your syllabus, you cannot change your assessments once they're, once they're set. It is very, um, very structured. So how, how do you interact with other faculty um, to help ensure that you're promoting that students are using some of these more effective strategies or that the faculty are using more effective teaching strategies? Well, for example, during the pandemic, we were already starting to use TopAt. Uh, for the basic science, the introductory courses. And so during the pandemic, I was able to convince people that they needed to use it because we were going to go virtual. So all of our courses were using TopAt when those courses were virtual that semester, you know, in 2020. So you were ready, you were ready to go when, <laughs> when, the, when the situation came up. So are you still using TopAt? Yeah, we are still oh. using TopAt, even in person, because it's, it's so engaging easy. the students. And engaging. I was able to convince some of my colleagues to continue to use it, even when we get, got back in mm -hmm. person. Uh, and the good thing about it, when some people do not use it in the course, then we can compare. Exactly. Those are our so for uh, listeners that are not familiar, Top Hat is a, a, a program uh, basically where faculty can put in their PowerPoints, they can um, add 
quiz questions. They can, and so as you're going through your lecture, it would automatically bring up like a quiz question or something. You know, you stop, the learners provide their answer right then and there. You get the real-time data right back. The learners get immediate feedback, and it really helps, I see two ways, keeping the learners engaged, but it's also keeping faculty from going off on bizarre tangents uh, when they need to uh, get through and talk about some specific curriculum. So. Well, they must also get a sense of whether their learners know the stuff that we're talking about and, and might have to pause and say, well, let's go back and look at that again a different way because half of you missed, missed this question. It, yeah, that's a, a really good point and, and that is helpful. Our podcast is a passive activity. And the one thing we do to try to make it a little more active is we ask our guests to challenge our listeners to do something next week after they've heard this podcast. So what would you ask the listeners to do to help learners develop more effective study habits? Well, I was going to say something that I didn't talk about. Ah. Uh, I think reassessing what the students are doing is really important. And I think that reminding them that they need to reassess their learning strategy toward their goal and in context of their performance is very important. I think that's a good point too because even so it, as the learners are coming in even if at the at the first you know learning session they're at or they're at their orientation if you ask them what strategies are you using you learn what they're using and you tell them what works I imagine a few months later even if they say, oh, I'm going to try X, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make annotate every paragraph as I go through and make it a really active learning. I would imagine if you check in a couple months later that they've dropped off, you know, or maybe the panic, you know, Jerry's talking about trying to drink from the fire hose here, the panic, all of a sudden they're falling back on, well, rereading feels easy. <laughs> like, or if rereading, it doesn't take as much time as it does to write out, you know, um, so it makes sense to go back and check back in with learners, even if you've already done it, just appear. And that's something that all faculty could do. Hey, how are you studying this? And then reinforcing some of those yeah. techniques. And I like the idea of Pascal's, like having the learners redo the reassessment, right? How are my current study strategies? And so that's going to lead to more self-directed learning um, as they begin to reflect. Because for some folks, if you never ask them, they would never think about it. Well, Pascal, thank you so much for stopping by. We really enjoyed your educator grand rounds, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more, and come hungry.